fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. Hey, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. This is your host, John Reed. Um, this episode is another one of those very special preview episodes that we give you. Just a little taste of what our Patreon co-executive producers get each and every month as part of their bonus content for being a co-executive producer and a supporter over there on Patreon. So if you are not already and if you want to hear the full episode on the 75th anniversary of It's a Wonderful Life where we had our special je- special guest Jason Colvin from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, head on over to 30podcast.com slash donate. Become a co-executive producer at any level of support and you get the full episode to be able to Listen to the entire 30 Podcast gang back for the first time in a long time. Um, talk about this just awesome classic movie. So we hope you enjoy this preview. Wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog! That's one of the things about this movie that I always appreciate, especially when you go back, kind of like you were saying, Jason, you go back and you watch some of those older movies, is that there's a lot of those older movies where the acting seems very forced. And it's like the old 30s and 40s, and everybody's talking like this. And everybody's, you know, everybody's got a very actory voice. And this one has never seemed that way to me. You know, even though it comes from the same time period. And there's there's a handful of movies that I've seen that come from the same time period that, you know, the the performances seem more genuine than some of those other, you know, older black and white movies. But, you know, that and like you said, just the whole idea of you can't help but connect to this because, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not an extreme case like George Bailey's, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who has gotten every single thing they ever wanted in life. Um, so, I mean, I, th- I think you can't help but connect with some of that. And and somebody's going to be watching this movie going, yeah, no, there's there's a few things I would have liked to have done. And just life didn't turn out that way. And I didn't get to I didn't get to do that vacation I wanted to do. Or I didn't before I, you know, had a family and all this other stuff. I didn't get to do this or, you know, that didn't happen the way I expected it to. So. It seems to me like this this is one of those movies that, you know, it's it's going to have that universal appeal, um, you know, and just it, there's probably not a person that can't connect to it in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the the lines that comes to my mind and I'm I'm obviously I've, I've seen it twice now, so I'm not quite as familiar as you guys uh, with it. But I watched the Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart and it was like. He's slapping around his secretary and come on, sweetheart. And he's shaking her. And I'm like, dude, no, no, that's not, what, what are you doing? You know, you don't, you don't slap your secretary around, you know? And then, and so that 
obviously has been outdated. Those behaviors are outdated. But there's a line in this movie where he's talking to his angel and he's like, hey, you wouldn't happen to have 8,000 bucks, would you? And the angel's like, no, we don't use money in heaven. He's like, oh, yeah, well, it really comes in handy around here. And that line is, what, 75 years old. But I might, you know, that that's that's... I might say that to somebody today. So it's just, it's just really well executed. I thought. Have any of you guys ever read or heard the story that it's based off of the greatest gift? No. Okay. So I found that when I was reading up and I, I know I'd heard this before, but um, so it was based off a story called the greatest gift. Um, and I went to go see if I could find it. And I did. And it was written by, um, uh, what was the, the writer's name I mentioned there at the very beginning? It was uh, Philip Van Doren Stern. And so he wrote this story. I guess he was trying to trying to be a writer, and he wasn't very successful. And uh, he had spent several years writing this story and, and did a couple of different tries at it. Um, I believe that he said it kind of came to him in a dream. Like he he had been thinking about the, the Ebenezer Scrooge story, and then he kind of had a dream one night about some guy that, you know, life was – just so rough and, and he had so many regrets that he was thinking about ending it. And then a, a stranger, he calls him the stranger. He never, I don't think he ever calls him an angel. A stranger shows up and gives him the opportunity to see what life would have been like if he had not been around and how his life affected other people. Um, it's a real short story. I actually found it. Uh, the local library had it on one of their apps where you could stream the audiobook. Um, so I found it. I listened to it. Characters names are a little bit different. It's George Pratt um, and Mary Thatcher, I think are her names, uh, is her name. And it kind of, it skips a lot of the, it skips a lot of the beginning stuff. Like it starts with him on the bridge uh, and it goes from there. And it's a little, it's not as, the short story is not as heartwarming as the movie is. Um, but I mean, you still, some of those essential elements are still there. Uh, so it's a fun little story to listen to. Um, but one of the things about this, the, the way this got turned into a movie was, the writer, um, Stern, he he couldn't get this one published. He kept trying to get it published somewhere. Nobody was going to publish it. So what he did was he actually printed up, um, I think he got printed 200 copies on his own dime, and he sent those out with his Christmas cards one year. And somehow one of those Christmas cards got to RKO Studios, and one of the executives passed it off to Frank Capra, who took one look at this story and called his buddy Jimmy Stewart and said, hey, I really want to make a movie out of this. Like, I think, I think we can, you know, we can add a little bit more backstory to this, you know, this character. And, and I, I would really love to make a movie out of this. And I guess he fell in love with it. Jimmy Stewart fell in love with it. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's, I think Frank Capra has been heard to say that this is his favorite movie of his because of all the different messages he was trying to impart on all the different themes of, um, you know, greed and corruption and community and, um, you know, life and, and all of those pieces, uh, this is the movie that summed all that up for him. Uh, but if you get a chance to, it's a fun little short story to listen to. I think it took about, it was like less than an hour to listen to. So if you can find it somewhere, it's kind of fun to, to listen to that, having seen this movie and kind of see the, the evolution of the characters from there. He has to, when he goes to visit everybody, uh, Mary is married to, um, kind of this guy who's who's a little bit of a mean drunk and they've had a couple of kids together and and the 
the oldest son is is a little kid and um, he's kind of just as mean as the father is. And George is going around and seeing all these different people, but he's doing it under the guise of being like a, a an upholstery uh, salesman. And so it's kind of a weird it's a weird difference between you know between the the movie and the the short story, but it still has some of those elements from the movie in it that that um, you know are memorable, but it's just not it doesn't quite have the same. I didn't feel like listening to the story; it had quite the same heart that It's a Wonderful Life has. You saying the movie is better than the book? I'm saying in this case, the movie is better than the book. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think I had remembered. Uh, it's been when I looked up a lot of the stuff on that because I had shown it to my kids like I don't know how many years ago. But um, I know it was also like coming off, you know, like with the with the war and stuff. He said he wanted, I, you know, because you guys are talking about what what clicks, and it was like I believe kind of he wanted to make something special, and like almost a tribute to the ordinary ordinary person, the ordinary citizen who's just doing the best they can, type of thing. And I think that's why it clicks as well. Like you said, we've all been in that, you know, everybody can, can get that something out of that message and out of that story of being in despair and feeling like your life might be worthless and, and you've done nothing and, not, you know, all the big dreams, you're not the big famous, you know, movie star or whatever it is. And, and, and having that message of just people trying the best they can and the impact it has on other people by just simply doing that is, is a wonderful thing as well. But I believe it was like that. Then he saw the book or, or saw that story. But I know coming back, he wanted to do something like that, like special coming off, especially coming off that, you know, he got the war situation. So, and Jimmy Stewart was, Jimmy Stewart was in the service too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He flew uh, his first movie off, off coming back. Yeah. He was a, he was a, um, yeah. a bomber pilot. And then I want to say he retired from the service. I mean, he was a uh, general. Um, when he finally retired, which I think he, I think he was, I don't know if he was considered active, but I, I think he went all the way up into the the fifties or sixties. He, you know, like I said, he wasn't a general at the end of the second world war, but I know when he finally was discharged, I think he was a, he was a general, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like you imagine the horrors that, you know, he saw. Um, Cause I, if I, I, unless I'm, unless I'm incorrect and obviously, you know, if one of you guys know, correct me, or, you know, if anyone in our listening audience knows the correct answer, please attach it to a PlayStation five and send it to the show. But I mean, I think like, like he was serving, you know, on, on, in, in bombers, you know, flying missions over, you know, over Europe and, you know, the horrors that those guys saw. And boy, I, I just thought watching him, you know, it was, it was a, that was that was quite an acting performance, and I know that that's kind of an understatement. But I mean, you know, you look at where he was at the beginning um, when he's dancing, and they fall into the swimming pool, and he just doesn't miss a beat. Like, who cares? Let's you know, just having fun with everything. To, um, um, you know, coming home and like, why are you practicing the piano? Why are you asking me that? Why are you? You know, it's just like it's 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 like oh my gosh, like that just that seemed it didn't seem like it was acting. And then when he finally, you know, comes completely unglued, I mean that, and again, it's, it's not for me to say, I mean, I didn't fight in a war, much less that war. I never, you know, I'm not, I, I, I never spoke to Jimmy Stewart, but how much of that was acting or how much of that was channeling emotions. And I mean, it was that, that really just hit home is very authentic. Um, you know, when he was, when he was, you know, when he was losing it, when he was coming unglued, 
and just, and not even that the big scene, you know, but just watching that transformation, you know what I'm saying? Where mm-hmm. he goes from the laughing, like, Hey, yeah, everything's good to when he goes and visits his, uh, well, he wasn't married at that point. Well, why'd you come over here? Well, I don't know why I came over here. Why <laughs> are you asking? He asked me to come in What the, you know, and it was just like, that's like a completely different dude, you know, um, to, it's because he's so real that I think that's what really, that's what really sells it. You know, yeah. to, you, you know, all you guys are just, are, I think you're just hitting the nail on the head. There's yeah. such an authenticity to his character. And it, you know, Dennis, you pointed out, it's, it's the every man. It's the depiction of, of the every man at the time, which makes it relatable for all of us. Cause who of us can't say that we've sat there and thought, where did I go wrong? Or, you know, would, would things have been better had I never gotten involved in this thing or with this person or would things have been better had I never been born? Um, and, you know, and, and, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful reminder of all the little ways that we affect one another that we don't even realize that to us would seem like nothing, but to somebody else, it's the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one of the things that I, I'm learning about this movie, even still, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this thing. And at first it was the, uh, you know, the quintessential scene at the end, Harry flies all the way home in the blizzard and he makes it there to all this, the, the whole town is there supporting George and Harry does the toast and you have, you know, it's big brother, George, the richest man in town. And you're surrounded by the town people and you know, it has nothing to do with money. It's all about the fact that, He's rich because of the, of the value in his relationships. Um, but as I've gotten older and have had more life experiences, I'm finding that I'm being more affected by other scenes upon each rewatch. Last year, when I watched this movie around this time, I was really moved, emotionally moved, and had tears when the scene when he comes home after they realize, or after he's realized they don't have the $8,000, he's going to jail. And what does he do? He's sitting there and he grabs his youngest boy and he just grabs onto his youngest boy and he's hugging him and he's kissing him. And he's not saying anything and he's crying. I'm, I'm getting emotional right now thinking about it because that I think that was the first time that I ever really watched that scene being a father. And man, did that thing just punch me in the gut like I did not even expect. So this year when I watched it, I was ready for it. And it still got me, but I was ready for it. But the thing that caught me off guard this time watching it was when he, after he blows up at his family and he's looking at them and I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. What do you want to know how to spell? You know, Why aren't you playing? Go ahead. I said play. And you see the looks on his kids' faces staring at him. And that really got me because I know, especially as of late, I've had moments with my oldest son where I've just kind of lost it for reasons that maybe he contributed to, maybe he didn't. But I've been on the receiving end of that look like, I'm hurt by your actions. You're supposed to be the guy that I can look up to, and I don't know who you are right now. So having now experienced that and then seeing that portrayed in the movie, that really got to me as well. So even though, like I said, I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times, the more life experiences I have, the more I'm finding new ways to connect to the journey of 
George Bailey. So much so that I find so much redemption in the end myself when he, when he realizes that he wants to live, that he, 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 he does have value. He does have worth and really that he has truly earned the life that he's lived. You know, when he's running down the street shouting Merry Christmas to everyone, I can't help but just beam and smile and grin and be so happy along with him and share that emotion with him. And just from then on, you know, through the rest of him, he finds his car, you know, up against the tree and he just shouts, hooray, you know, just everything. It doesn't even matter. And just to, to be able to experience that emotion with him because, because he's the every man, because we can all connect with him on so many levels. It's just a remarkable story. So I look forward to watching it every year, seeing what else am I going to, what else is going to stand out to me that I never really experienced before, you know, but I, I, I love this film, Jason. I'm so glad that you, <laughs> that you really like this movie because it would have been a really awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This movie's overrated. Yeah. I, I, I was blown away and was, not prepared to be. As always, we hope you've really enjoyed this preview of our It's a Wonderful Life 75th anniversary retrospective uh, episode that we did for our Patreon co-executive producers. Again, if you want to join us over there, 30podcast.com slash donate. That'll take you to the link where you can head on over to our Patreon page. Uh, And as I said before, any level of support there. There are levels of support where you can interact more with the show. Um, You can suggest a movie for us to cover. You can come on the show as a co-host. There are all kinds of levels of support on there. But any level of support, even even like a dollar a month on there, gets you access to the the bonus episodes that come each and every month uh, to our Patreon co-executive producers. Everybody be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time. Harry! Harry! Mary, I got him here from the airport just as quick as I could. The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. To my big brother, George, the richest man in town. (laughs) 